let me tell you. As a farmer, you don't get anything that you didn't work hard for. Such is the case in tonight's story. Another one from Dr. Creepin's Vault. So it's time once again to sit back and relax with your favourite drink, my dear friends. And listen. The stream of warm, stinking air flows over the now arid farmland. The grip of the fire axe is dripping with sweat. It's so hard to hold on to. The weight of it becoming more and more pronounced as the stress of the situation starts to set in. The clear night sky is starting to fill with noxious smoke. The silvering moonlight begins fading into brief glimpses behind ashen clouds. A mixture of despair and hopelessness stings into my body with a debilitating effect. A massive crash of metal and flame brings my addled mind back to the violence of the moment. Suddenly, a growing fear is fed fresh fuel as the screams of a family explode out for only mere moments. They are silenced with uncaring, monstrous efficiency. The air flowing around now carries a heavy scent of iron. And that's it. Every single night. That's how the dream goes every night since that day. It's been tortuous trying to live with myself every single minute past that point. I find myself in that horrible, bloody dream and every possible moment of sleep. I know that what I did was wrong, inhuman even, but what else could I have done? I'm just a man, nothing more than human. I know there is so much more out there than that now. Dr. Ryan says that my dreams are my way of dealing with what happened, the only way I could. My dark fantasy dreams, he calls them. He says that if I write down what I feel, what I see, then... Maybe it can help me understand why I dream that the way I do. A tool to deal with my guilt, he says. <laughs> it never worked. I just felt worse after every session with the journal. Now they say I should try talking to the tape recorder, as if it would be better than anything else. He wants me to talk out my guilt, to somehow accept it internally, as he says. He has a degree, so he must know something about what he's talking about. Except, of course, he didn't see them that day. He can't know. Otherwise, he would have just let me have the gun I asked for. Instead, I got the restraints and the meds. So, here I am, sitting in this soft, dark room, trying to piece together my dreams and memories of that night into something that can help the good doctor understand me. Something that can, maybe, help me. God, can anything help me now? Now you're here, wanting to know about that horrible day. The doc said it was okay to talk to you. I don't rightly understand why you want to know about this, but from the look in your eyes, you've seen some dark days of your own. You might have heard or seen something yourself. All right, well, we can give this a shot. I hope you get something out of this. I've told this thing to the doc so many times in the past few months, yet it still feels fresh for me each time. I can close my eyes and live the whole damn day through like a movie. It was supposed to just be a regular day. The Tuesday morning sky was cold and an ugly grey thing. This was about the middle of April, so a good rolling set of strong rains was normal. It was already a bad day for it. I was going down to install a security system for a family in Gideon, Louisiana. I hated working on rainy days. 
The drive out of Bossier should have been about four hours. Well, it rained nearly the whole way there, almost as if it was taunting me. I got a flat about two hours into the trip. I was able to get it changed with my spare, but it took me some time. I ended up running a few hours behind, though. Eventually, I made my way to the client's house. I was more than thankful to be at the destination, but wished the rain would die out. Well, at the least, it was only down to a small, light trickle. Looking for the house was, thankfully, not difficult. Client ran a small, quiet farm, quite apart from anything else nearby. I could make out what appeared to be the main house, so I cleared a section of rather winding road. There were two barns to each side of the house, with signs clearly leading the way in. When I pulled into the driveway of the house, I was greeted by a thin man dressed every bit the farmer part. As he made his way to my car, I could see him clearly. He was an older gentleman, easily in his fifties. I noticed right away that he carried a revolver or handgun of some type on him. He had it holstered, but his hand stayed close to it as well. He seemed on edge and wary about something, but I had a feeling it was not me. As I watched him, he kept looking to one of the barns about a mile behind me. Oh, I'd dealt with some over-the-top clients before. This wasn't the first time someone greeted me armed with an attitude. And yet, this man didn't put off any body language that came off as dangerous. Yeah, he looked tired and anxious for sure, but nothing really spoke of violent intent towards me. I tried to put myself in his place to understand his demeanour. People that ask for a security system to be installed generally have had something bad happen, or they're expecting something bad coming their way. I'd read some of the notes that were sent to me by the company a few days prior to the job. It helped paint a sort of state of things. You see, the Ross family ran their small isolated farm in quite a ways out from the main city. It was a generation place and had been there for well over 50 years. There were no real security issues from the long run of it, but, well, recently something had changed. They had concerns about someone trying to break into their home for a few nights, as they'd find odd marks and breaks on their barn doors. For a while, they put it down to some kind of animal clawing at the doors at night. They didn't exactly live in a crime-ridden area, after all, so the animal story could have been the more plausible issue. That went on for something of about four months or so. Yet that theory died out starkly when they woke up early in the morning hours to find someone running across the farmland. The document said they saw someone running off into the woods nearby. That was their limit, it seemed. Soon after, they contacted the company to have a security system installed on both barns and the main house. As I looked at the man, I could tell he was uneasy, like he was expecting something to happen at any moment. The gentleman approached me and firmly asked if I was the man from the security company. I nodded and greeted him with my hand outstretched for a handshake. He quickly took my arm instead and asked me to look him in the eye. I was taken aback by this for sure, but I'd run into some eccentric folks in my work before, as I said. I just agreed and, after a few seconds, he apologised to me and let go of my arm. I asked him what that was about but he just apologized again and told me to follow him into the main house so we could talk. Well, he was already halfway to the front door and, for whatever reason, didn't seem keen on talking outside. I grabbed two of my bags from the back seat and began to follow him. He held the door open for me and made a hand gesture to hurry up. 
Once we were inside, he closed the door and locked it. I noticed he had no less than seven deadbolts. I'd only seen that many locks on the door a few times before, and each time it was not a random inclusion. These people were not just concerned for security's sake. They were actually scared of someone. As I put my bags on the floor, I nodded to the door, asking if they had something happen recently. Well, the gentleman had a sour look on his face. He simply nodded and motioned for me to sit in their kitchen. As we sat, a woman came into the kitchen, but ignored us both. She only looked out the window, facing another one of their barns on the back side of the house, before going upstairs. After a moment, and a heavy sigh, the man finally began to speak to me. It was like he was weighing the prospect of even talking with me at all. The gentleman introduced himself as Aaron Ross. He told me he was the grandfather of the four children that lived in the home. His wife, Sharon, was the woman I'd seen moments ago. I asked where the children were, in the spirit of conversation. He simply replied that they were upstairs in a safe place. His tone was that of someone who did not want to answer more than he needed to. I had to somehow poke at the topic he was agitated about. He looked at me with such a stone-faced stare, I thought I was about to be shot then and there. Instead, he bit his lip a bit and looked down at the tabletop. I could tell he was deciding on what he wanted to say, and exactly how he wanted to say it. Finally, he looked me in the eye again and said, Look, I know you came to do your job, but some things have changed since we made the request for the company to send someone out. I immediately thought I knew where this was going. This was not a new occurrence to me. I'd had people cancel or back out of the installs at the last minute before. I started to say that he would not get the install down payment back, but he cut me off. <laughs> I know this sounds off, but you cannot touch those bars, he said. He continued. Keep the down payments. But do not touch those doors, please. I told him it was okay. We don't intrude when told not to, so he had nothing to worry about. No, there's more to it, he said sternly. His tone and glare were so serious that it made me start to worry. It was the kind of look that made me immediately remember he was armed. His face remained in its hardened state. His eyes drove cold winds across my neck. He clasped his hands together in front of him and said, Look, guy, I don't know anything about you, and rightly the same for you about me, but I need you to listen to what I have to say, and don't dare pass judgment till I'm done. He carried the words with hints of respect and earnest. I felt wrong to not at least listen to him, and so I did. Well, I wish I'd been more of a cynical jerk and just left right there. How that would have made life so much easier for me. But instead, I sat there with open ears and ruined my life forever onward as he spoke. Listen to me, he started. I am a man of garden country. I work for my family and live honestly. I don't drink more than I should and never did any kind of wrongful drugs. Spend my time at church on Sundays like I should without a single curse to it. I don't hit women, nor steal from men. I'm not telling you any of that to make me seem like a good person, but rather to let you know that I am not a crazy nut. But heaven help me, 
what I need to tell you is. There was a pause in his speech as he seemed to struggle to get the next part out. The internal debate of words for him was constant. It was this honest difficulty of speech that began to really worry me. After another stressed sigh, he continued. For starters, he said, you cannot leave this place right now. I know your car is right out there, and you could just drive on back, but if you do, one of them might try to follow you. We can't have that happen. It'll be dark soon outside, and I can't risk it happening again. I'm not holding you prisoner, but if I let you try and drive out now, I might end up losing someone else. And I just can't. I can't do that. I must have worn my mixed confusion in blatant display as he looked at me with a scowl. I told the man that I didn't know what he was on about. I started to tell him that, for one thing, I could leave whenever I wanted. I started bringing up the matter of the deposit once again, but he put a hand up to cut me short. He stood up and walked to the window where his wife had been looking through moments before. He made a gesture for me to follow him and look as well. Oh, I'm not trying to hurt you, mister. Far from it, he started. I know you just got here, and what I'm saying sounds wrong to you, but it is what it is. The skies have been getting darker around here, earlier and earlier every day for the past month. It was slow to notice at first, but the past three days it was hard to miss. Yesterday the evening dark came down around 4pm, and on Sunday it came down around 3pm. The skies should be getting dark soon here. And when it does, those barn doors are going to come open a bit more. I shut them tight with chains, but that's not enough. Sometimes one of them gets out, and you don't want to be out there if they do. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Right about this time, I was thinking the same thing. How crazy is this old man? I was every bit poised to be a mouthy jerk to the man. I was making my plans to leave and make sure to put distance between myself and that old damn fool. But then, well, then I looked out the window. As I did, my bravado died away and was replaced by something else. Fear is what it was. Funny thing, I didn't know it then. See, I'd never felt that tinge of fear before. It was a primal thing. Somehow, even though I had no idea what I was looking at, my body did. Have you ever felt primal fear? It's like every cell in your body knows that what you see or smell is dangerous. No, not just dangerous, but outright wrong. Well, as for what I saw, it was just the barn as he was showing me. I could make out the heavy chains covering the front of the barn and even what looked like massive bits of scrap metal covering other openings near the top. Now, you have to remember that this barn was not right next door. It had an easy mile between the house, and yet, through that distance, I could see something. The doors were chained, like I said, but you could see that they had a look of wear and pressure to them, almost as if they were holding back water like a dam. The reason for the fear I felt didn't come from the chains or the stress on the doors. No, it came from the very direct feeling that, as I looked at the barn, something inside was looking back at me. I could have sworn that, as I stared at it, a shifting, bulking form moved inside. 
I knew there was no way I could have seen anything, not at that distance and not behind the doors, and yet I did. I stepped back from the window and stumbled a bit. The older gentleman caught me and balanced me. The look in his eyes spoke to me. He saw that I had seen something. He looked like he was sorry for it, for the experience as a whole. He sat me back down at the table and began to speak again. We tried to call, to cancel the install, he said. He explained that they tried to call out, but as of the past week, they'd had no phone service. He said that they had a satellite internet service as well, but that was out of commission too. We tried to get help and to warn people, he explained. I asked him what had happened. He stood next to the window and stared out to the darkening sky. Last Thursday night is when they cut us off, he started. First, our phone line went out sometime around the evening. My son Marcus went out to check it out and never came back to the house. We, of course, got worried when he was out for 30 minutes without a word. His wife, Hannah, went out to check and, just the same, never came back in. You can't see it from here, but in the back, we had a small dish set up for satellite internet. We found it with holes ripped in it and trashed all over the yard. Well, we have cell phones too, but the signal out here is shot. Always has been. We have to drive out a few miles to get a solid, usable reception. We had another man that lived here too. A farmhand that my son brought on as a favor to a friend. He went for help. Took one of the cell phones with him. His car made it just a few feet before something took him. The old man started to rub his forearms in a nervous manner about this time. The memory of what he was relating to me was obviously bothering him more and more. He walked back to the table and rested his hands on the chair as he continued. Look, I know how this sounds, but it's the truth, he said. Something was out there in the dark. It rushed his car and tore the doors right off. We barely saw it coming. It took him and ran him straight to the southern barn. He screamed the whole way. When he got to the barn, well, that was something else. It's a sound no one should ever have to hear. Like some kind of broken glass scraping against your insides. God, it made me sick to my stomach. It was a sound that made you somehow know that God had nothing for you here. I don't even have the proper words for how it went. Somewhere under all the godless noise was the screaming of that poor boy. The old man took a moment to compose himself. It was like, just by telling me about the incident, he was living it over again for the first time. Much like my own dreams now. Yes, I get it now. This kind of stuff never leaves you. Ever. That's what the doc doesn't understand, you see. There is no escape from memories like this. Now, that's not where the story ends. I wish it was, though. As the old man stood back up, he walked over to the window again to keep his watchful eye on the barn doors. He gripped his hands and crossed them across his chest before continuing. We stayed out the whole night with the kids, he said. Whatever was out there, we were trying to get ready for it to break down the door. Eventually, morning came and we were still all in one piece. Oh, I stepped out with my gun to check things out. 
I found that the car was totaled. The engine looked like it had been hammered flat somehow. Whatever hit it was big. I checked the truck that was parked on the other side of the house. I found half of it in pieces. The other half, I don't know. That Friday we understood we are not going to get anywhere fast. As I said, the night was coming quicker and quicker. With that, as the clouds darkened, we heard more and more noise from the south barn. We know time was running short. We got the kids upstairs and started to build up our bedroom as a makeshift safe room. Well, we could hear something crashing around as it moved about in the dark of the barn to the south side. I didn't even try to go check it out. We got upstairs as soon as the sun cleared the sky. We took turns staying awake, but honestly, no one got to sleep that night. We all stayed quiet at the sounds of the barn doors being slammed open rang out. Every now and then, more of that gut-killing noise could be heard. At times we were clenching our teeth as it passed over and through us. At one point we heard scratching at the walls with knifing whispers of words we could not understand. The younger kids cried themselves to sleep. My wife did too. Daybreak came again, and the collection of noises ended. That following Saturday, I made another round of checks outside. This time I found random spots of land dug up by the southern barn. Odd symbols and a collection of toxic smells peppered the way to the barn. At the entrance of the barn, there was a bone sticking straight up out of the dirt. It looked human. Hanging from it was a small, nailed bit of wood with more of the strange marks on it. It looked like some kind of weird signpost. I almost lost it there, but I braved a bit more and came up to the barn. I felt something inside watching me, and damn if I can say, I think it even smiled at me. At this point, what the old man was saying to me made a lot of sense, <laughs> crazy sense. I remember looking at the barn even from outside the house. I could feel something rotten looking back at me, and I do really mean feel. I think it was at this point that I really started to buy some of what he was spinning my way. Just maybe, I thought, just maybe there is something out there. Hell, I'd find out soon just what was out there. Lord, I wish I hadn't. The old farmer looked at me and told me how he ran back to his house to gather materials. He took anything he could from the house and then went over to the other barn to check it out. Seemingly, that barn was for the most part empty. Unfortunately, it was not entirely so. The man sat down with me at the table and went on with his story. I gathered all the nails, tape and tools I could carry in backpack. He said, I was determined to bar those doors from opening again. I had welder's gear in the other barn. I was hoping it was clear there. When I went to the eastern barn, it was wide open. The left door was smashed in while the right one hung loose on its railing. Something had broken its way inside of this one. I looked over the barn with an encroaching fear. I felt that at any moment the darkness would reach out and shred me. I was nearly done gathering more materials from the barn. I found him. Or oh, part of him. My son. His arm was a tattered mess of gore. He had a 
knew it was his. He went and got a dumb tattoo of a cartoon whale when he was 15. There it was on the ground, covered in blood, dirt, and some kind of black inky grime. It was that stupid red cartoon whale smiling up at me. Right about that moment, the old man seemed to break down a bit. It was like some of the mental scaffolding that was holding his mind together crashed down. To his merit, he seemed to shake back quickly as he continued with his tale. I wanted to do more for my boy, but I pushed on and gathered what I could. He went on. I took everything and made my way to the southern barn. I spent time welding joints solid, pulling chains tied across the doors. I even tried to push some scrap metal against them. For the opening above, I did my best to cover it with garbage and stones. I dared not step foot inside, but I did what my courage would allow. Even then, during the brighter points of the day, I could feel the rot of whatever was inside the barn. It smelled horrible as well, like death and darkness. Then there was the oily velvet substance that seemed to bleed out of the wood and dirt itself. I could swear that every now and then, that stuff would reach out for me like plants moving towards sunlight. I was so tired. Maybe I was seeing stuff, but then again, I was seeing all sorts of things already. After that was done, I went back to the house and we waited for nightfall. It came quick. We listened as the chains rattled and shook all night damn near. More of that awful noise crashed over us and for longer than before. We were sure that something broke through the doors at some point, as we heard wood shatter. We only hoped that whatever it was, was not on the way to the house. Somehow we made it another night. Sure enough, as I went out to check things the next morning, I saw a small hole blown through the barn door. The chains held, but something still punched through. I knew it wouldn't hold much longer for us. Now there was even more of that inky black substance on the barn. The base was damn near covered in it. I think it's growing more and more each day. On Sunday morning, one of the older kids came down with me to help. Nate, a good boy, just turned 15 a few months ago. He wanted to do something to calm himself. Thought it was a good idea at the time. I was so tired. It was a mistake. Nate helped me with the checks around the house, and all things considered, it went well for the day. We reinforced the house as best we could with the tools that I had gathered. As night came rolling in early, we started our trek back upstairs, like we did the days before, to get ready for the darkness. As we did, Nate shouted something about his mum. I don't know what he saw, but he took off into the yard. He was yelling something, but could not rightly hear him. Tried to stop him. Almost had him for a moment, but he wrestled out of my grip before I could pin him down. In a few moments, he was running on down the road that you drove up on. My body felt ice cold all over as I watched something dart out from the direction of the southern bar. It wasn't quite dark yet, but it was gliding along the shadowed edges. I turned back to the road, to Nate, he was a ways down, and I heard him scream. He was calling out for his mama. I wanted to run down after him, 
but the sun was setting and I couldn't leave the other alone. Hell, I was scared. So scared. Got up a bit of hope, though, as I saw him running back down the road. I thought he might make it. He was close. Damn, hope is such a cruel thing to have in the dark. As he got about ten feet from the door, the thing from the barn that had been waiting shook out like a thunderbolt. Couldn't rightly make it out. Looked like it was made from the same oily muck that was crawling up the side of the barn. Well, it had shape, but not really. It's hard to describe rightly. Like it was not really seeing something, even though it was there. It was there, though. I know, because it got him. Sprayed some kind of blackness all over Nate. Like squid tentacles all over him. Oh, the boy screamed and cried as that thing dragged him back into the barn through the hole. A hole that was definitely not as big as the boy was to fit through. Oh, the sounds of that ordeal were monstrous. The screams went out after that. Didn't hear any noise that night save for some light scratches at the door downstairs. That was one of the worst nights yet. The other kids hadn't said a word. Not even cried that night. We all just missed Nate. The old man moved back to the table and looked right at me again. He asked, You want to know why I checked your eyes when you got here? I gave him a simple nod. I was still trying to process everything he was telling me. Words were not doing my mind state any justice at the time. He sat down and told me about the man that came on Monday. There was a fella came round here yesterday, he said. So I walk up to the house as I was checking for damage to the outside. No idea where he came from, just walked up out of the blue. He said he was looking for his lost dog. I'd never seen him around and... I know I'd not heard or seen a dog recently either. I immediately asked him if he drove here, as I was looking for a clear way out of the area. I knew we would never make it on foot before dark. He just ignored the question and stared at me. Now the man was dressed nice. Not church nice, just nice. He looked for all intents like a normal man. I kept trying to ask him about how he got out here to us, and if he'd seen anyone else, and yet... He just kept asking me the same damn question over and over. Had we seen his dog? I eventually asked him if he was all right, and he started to bark at me. I mean, he literally started barking like a dog at me. As he did, the shape of his eyes began to change into this muddy black ink. Much like the barn had on it. In just a few seconds, his eyes essentially dripped off his face into a puddle of black on the floor. I'll just think of a woman with runny mascara on her face. Just imagine that her eyes were also running off of her as well. In a few moments, there was this eyeless, barking man just standing there. Even without eyes, though, he was still staring at me. Oh, it was something else to see. Without thinking, I pulled my gun and shot him twice. He, it, just kept on barking. After a few moments of that horror show, he just took off walking towards the chain barn. I tried to keep track on him, but he was gone out of sight quickly. 
Strange enough, that night we had little to nothing in the way of noise coming from the barn either. No scratching noises or whispers on the house. Around one in the morning, we thought maybe whatever devilry was going on might have passed on. However, at four in the morning, we hear a wailing screech coming from the land all around us. It was something different than the last few nights. It sounded like it was almost human in tone, but hell if anything human could actually do that. That went on for an hour, and then nothing. As the sun rose, I did my check around the house again. As best as I could tell, nothing had touched the house. Everything seemed to be outside for the most part, until I saw the back door. It was dripping with that black stuff all around. I think it's getting closer. What really bothered me about that day was the barking man. No doubt it came from the barn. It was out in the daylight. Whatever was inside the barn was getting bolder or stronger. Maybe both. Either way, I knew that somehow we were running out of time. Now, at this point in the story, you may be asking yourself why I didn't just get back in my car and leave. <laughs> I wanted to. Even if I didn't believe the man through and through, I was plenty creeped out. I was bordering on terrified even, to be honest. The thing is, though... The man was not lying about it getting dark early. As I looked at the old man's face, I could see he was getting stressed. A heavy banging noise was rising up from outside. I just knew then and there where it was coming from. I stood out to look at the window facing the southern barn. The chains were shaking and trembling as much as I might have been. The sun was setting unnaturally fast as an inky blackness of a night sky took shape overhead. The old man made a motion for me to follow him upstairs. I didn't think twice about it. We started our way up the stairs together. I paused for a moment, though, as I heard this awful grinding noise outside. The old man told me to keep on going up. It was my car. I knew it. Something outside was destroying it, just like the other vehicles the nights before. As we reached the bedroom, there was a flurry of work to get dresses moved... Boards nailed in and makeshift weapons readied. The door was blocked and locked. The only window in the room was covered by multiple boards and a mattress. In the middle of the room, three children were sitting down. Two small boys, probably around six and seven, and one girl, maybe about nine. They all wore the same scared, spaced-out look on them. I spoke to them, tried to say some comforting things, but they barely acknowledged me. I didn't blame them. I was mostly focused on the cacophony rising up around the house. I heard it. The glass-cutting noise the old man talked about. It rolled out of the barn like a force of nature. I could feel it cutting at my senses all over. It might have only lasted for a few moments, but it felt like hours of agony. In there, somewhere with all the horrid audio trauma, was the hint of speech. I couldn't make out the words at all, but there was definitely someone, or something, talking. It had a deep guttural tone with an aggressive effect. I may not have understood the language, but I definitely felt the meaning in it. It carried death in those tones. Now, the next few hours are where my nightmares start. 
The old man was right. The thing in the barn was getting stronger, and their time in that home was coming to an end. This was to be their last night alive, and I was the reason why. What I'm going to tell you will make me out as a monster, I'm sure. Yet, what I saw that night would have broken any man and crushed any morals. We stayed in the room for about thirty minutes, listening to the noise of those chains rattle and smash against the barn. Suddenly, there was a loud snap as they shattered apart. Following that, we heard a strong shearing noise. I shared looks with the old man and his wife. We all knew it was the barn doors coming down. We listened as one came down and then the other. Another sound at the barricaded window made us jump back. It was a soft tapping, like something was just testing the strength of the glass frame. Suddenly it picked up in force and the glass shattered. I could see bits of it hit the floor where the mattress was pressed against it. Next, one of the wooden planks splintered and it hit the floor as well. The children were screaming in terror. I matched their terror, but couldn't find my own voice to scream with them. From behind the mattress, I saw the crawling form of something dark. It was the oily substance that the man had talked about. Despite nothing visible in the form of eyes, I watched it as it seemingly looked around the room and gripped the mattress. It pulled hard and tore it through the now broken window frame. The old man fired three shots into the night. I don't know if he was aiming at something, or if he was just firing out of fear. His wife moved to shove the headboard of the bed to the window in an attempt to bar it again. Well, she only got halfway in the task before tendrils of the black substance came back through the window. It seemed to emit some kind of screech and stabbed out at her back. I could hear her bones crack as the tendrils bore into her with maddening force. She dropped to the floor with a dead impact. She was gone, just like that. The black, crawling substance reeled back and took her body out with an ugly effect as she bent and battered against the walls. The old man was already moving the main dresser from the bedroom door. I know that he saw what I saw. I know that he witnessed the brutal death of his wife just seconds before. Yet, either out of fear, a sense of protective duty to the kids, or both, he was determined to get out of the room. I moved to help him as best I could. Soon we had the door open and we were trying to make our way downstairs. He led the three kids down and I followed behind them. As I left the room, I could see more of those black probing tendrils making their way into the room. I shut the door in an effort to stall their advance. They never seemed to make an attempt to go further, but even more terror-inducing than their possible advance was the sound behind the door. I saw there were voices in the room, like the inked tentacles were talking amongst themselves in that same harsh language we'd heard before. And something else, you see. To have to acknowledge that intelligence exists in these things. Imagine being hunted by a lion, but it's not just doing it for hunger. Imagine it has more in its action than base primal instinct. Just picture that the lion has a plan for you. 
that it had been planning your death for some purpose altogether alien to you. Ah, that feeling you get. It makes you feel small somehow. Like you couldn't grasp at the horrible entirety of it all. The why of it. I would have stood there being swallowed by that feeling, if not for one of the kids. I looked back at one of the older girls who was tugging at my feet. She was practically pulling me down the stairs. I came back to my senses and ran down with the rest of them. As I came to the kitchen at the base of the stairs, I could see the old man readying his gun. He let loose another set of shots at something behind the door. I took a glance at the window where we were able to see the southern barn before. Now it was covered in a layer of blackness preventing any visibility at all. I heard the man shout to head for the back door instead. I followed the kids as we made our way to the back. The door was barred and we worked to get it open. Finally, we got it open just as the sound of the front door exploding apart was heard. As we made our way out, the old man screamed to run for the other barn. Behind us, in the house, I could hear a chittering noise mixed in with the sound of random destruction. The home was being torn apart by whatever made it inside. I risked one look back and saw that inky blackness covering most of the southern side of the home. It pulsed and heaved with a sickening pattern that seemed to move in and out of focus. It was like the old man had said before. It was like watching something that was definitely there, but at the same time, it wasn't. We made to the other barn as the old man started to pull down a ladder. I could see that he intended to try and escape whatever was coming in the night by waiting out in the second level of this old battered structure. Yet, at the moment, there was nothing else for us to do. We made our way up and pulled the ladder up with us. We all found some kind of weapon from the toolbox. Two of the younger kids were holding a wrench and screwdriver, respectively. The older girl brandished a large wrench. The man aimed his gun down into the dark. I found an old fire axe near a pile of random junk. It was rusted and heavy, but I took some comfort in having a real weapon in my hands. A sudden crunching noise drew everyone to look at the house. The family watched as the tumour-like ink on their home groaned and strained. Its near-translucent darkness shifted and stretched out across the home with strings of tendrils cracking through the sides. With a seeming sense of ease, the monstrous blackness tore the home apart in a violent display. The tendrils snaked about the wreck as if searching for something. All the while, another wave of that damaging noise shot out across the night. He brought the kids to their knees. The old man did his best to stay upright and aim his gun toward the entrance. Now, at this point, I started to notice something. I could hear words in the noise this time. Not just some odd language, but real words. Well, I can't rightly say if they were English, but I did understand them. Simple things at first. I could hear something asking for a lock, a key, a sign didn't understand any of it at first, and then suddenly I was able to hear solid sentences. Somewhere in the noise, lurking in the void dark of the southern barn, something was talking to me. It asked me clearly, 
and direct inquiry. Why do you hide my key? I suddenly became aware of the old man shaking behind my back. He was asking me if I was okay. I quickly took note of the blood pouring from my ears. I felt numb all over. I could barely feel or hear anything. I rested myself against a toolbox to gain my senses, and as I did, another one of the odd screeching noises echoed from the tendrils scouring the debris of the house. A vibrant, tearing pain dulled into my left temple. I could hear more words sliding through my ears. It said to me, Give me the keys. Leave the keys. Feed me the keys. I again could not at all understand what that meant. Yet, as I stood properly and tried to right myself, I could now feel a pronounced change in my composure. The numbness was mostly gone. I could even see better. I'm not sure how to explain that, but I could see through the night like it was suddenly early morning again. The newfound light hurt me at first. I couldn't tell what was happening. Mixtures of fear and confusion made for a crooked mental cocktail. I stumbled for a bit and almost took a dive off the second floor of the barn. The elder of the children grabbed my arm and righted me again. I went to thank her, but as I looked at her, something was off. In her cheeks, I could see odd symbols peeking through, lightly glowing with a pale, thin light. As I looked, the symbols ran down her neck and replicated on her hands. I was transfixed on these small etchings glowing out of her body. Behind her, the other two children stood at the ready with their tools. It was faint at first, but soon I could see some of the same symbols shining out of their faces as well. Nowhere near as much as the eldest daughter, but they still had them as well. I think I was even starting to see something in the symbols too. Maybe, maybe not. I was brought out of my focus by another series of shots from the old man. He was shooting at something that entered the barn below. I moved over to see whatever his target was, but a massive force of heat threw me back. A white hot flash ran across my body. I could feel my balance separating itself from gravity. Rushing pain flooded my face and back with random bursts in other limbs. I think I might have passed out for a moment. If I did, I don't know how long. When I came to my senses again, I was laying by a ruined portion of the barn. It hurt to stand. A lot. Something was broken. Maybe a lot of somethings. My eyes tried their best to adjust again to the light. However, I soon realized that the light was coming from a new source. Fire. I was surrounded by the land ablaze. The farmland was lit up around me in a roaring inferno of greenish-white flames. The heat singed across my arms and neck with an almost chilling touch. Whatever brought about the flames so suddenly took them back almost as abruptly. I was surrounded by ruined land Ash and smoke had replaced the fertile land that once made up the farm. I pulled my thoughts into a working motion and risked a glance from behind the now charred wall of the barn. Nearly instantly, that choice was met with a rolling disgust in my stomach. 
I watched as these two hulking nightmares took form from the absolute darkness of the land. Odd shapes and twists of the inky blackness called together, creating something horrid. One of the brutes walked forward through the black, shapelessness void. I focused in on it and really took in the grandness of the monstrosity before me. The damn thing was nearly nine feet tall with a thick frame. It glistened in the light of the fire. It wore a visceral coat of yellowing fur upon its upper chest and arms. I couldn't discern where skin began or ended on its body. Its head was seemingly as solid as bone cylinder. It stood up on an odd set of legs, bent seemingly to the side with unnaturally twisted bones protruding outward. As it moved forward a bit more, I could see that it had a third leg as well. I had a brief image of the tripods from all of the worlds play into my head. Oh, this thing, Martian or not, was quite definitely nothing in the realm of anything human. Its arms ended in brutal-looking claws, or something approaching a claw. The entire makeup of the abomination was nearly too much for me to take in. The entire form of the thing seemed just to be made to offend reality itself. Suddenly, the other one moved closer to the first and allowed me to get a look at it as well. The second beast was nothing if not entirely alien to the first. It bore no resemblance at all. This monster, while nearly as tall, was nothing in terms of brutality that first maintained. It carried a look of emaciation, with loose skin hanging from its somewhat skeletal body frame. It only had one arm that seemed to be damaged or broken as it hung limp. It walked, or rather shambled in a sense, on a pair of ugly bony legs. One was as thin as the rest of the body, but the other was only so until near what I suspect its ankle would be. There the thing seemed to have massive swelling of what appeared to be pustules and muscle. I watched as the more skeletal thing raised what he considered to be its head. It looked like it was partially melted or smashed into its torso. It was more a lump of greyish flesh than any form of a head, but nested near the bottom left was what I imagined to be an eye. I felt any sense of courage drain from me. The fire axe was there, not far from me, and I made a move to grab it. However, once I had it, the fire axe seemed like a comical accessory instead of something of real defense. I dropped back to one knee behind the farmhouse wall. I considered the idea of running for it down the road. I concocted multiple other ideas that fell to ruin in my mind in the span of a few seconds. I felt the desperation and fear tearing away at my motor functions. Part of me wanted to run at full speed without looking back, while the other part of me wants to hide under a pile of broken barn wall in hopes that the beasts leave me alone. For a moment's time, I gave in to the thought and prepared to dig in. The idea of just waiting out the walking nightmares seeming more and more plausible to me, I pulled myself tight against the wall that I was hiding behind, and just then, one of those things jumped and landed near me. It was the bony thing I was moving right past. I thought it'd seen me for sure, and my life was over. But it kept moving on. 
It hadn't seen me, or if it had, it had no interest in me. No, I was moving over to a bit of the barn wall laying on the ground. It reached out with its ruined stump of an arm. Some of that black substance shot out and tore the debris away. Underneath it was the old man. I thought he was dead. He looked the part with obvious burn wounds on his face. But the thing moved to pick him up. As it did, the old man aimed his gun once more at the monster. I was amazed he still had it within him. I wondered if it would have mattered. He never got the chance to fire. His hand, and soon after his entire arm, was shorn from his body with horrible ease. The thing flung the man like a plaything into the night sky. Where he landed, I could only guess at. He would be dead, for sure. I was frozen with fear, even more so at this point. I strained to keep myself conscious. I wanted to give up entirely and just leave the world of nightmares I had entered. Looking outward, I could see something glowing in the ashen dirt not far from me. It was a pale light, faint but definitely there. It was one of the kids. I could feel my eyes trying to focus in on them. Really, it was not my doing, though. That rolling echo sound flew out across the night again, and with it came the voice. My keys, I see my keys, feed me the keys, it screamed. The larger, monstrous creature moved with a newfound bizarre grace towards the growing spot I was seeing. It used one of its massive grotesque appendages to pull out the younger children. Oh, it took off in a gallop of sorts, back to the southern bar. I couldn't tell if the child was even awake or alive. I noticed suddenly that the other lankier beast was slowly making its way to me. With its long legs, the distance was covered in mere seconds. I, I can't tell you just how absolutely apart from this world it was. Up close, inches from it. I couldn't even stand its presence. Every fibre of my body, every single cell was trying to deny it in any way possible. This thing was not meant for our world, not even our space. It reached out and picked me up. Oh, the touch of this monster. It's, it's just more than unnerving. I can still feel the damn thing across my back and sides. Even now, a year later, I can still feel it. I can damn well feel it like it's here in the room with us. It made me look. It made me look around the ruins for something. Once I realised what it was doing, I tried to close my eyes. It wanted me to find the other kids. Something about their glow pale shine of symbols across them. Well, I tried to be brave and shut my eyes for a moment. Yet, as I did, the voice came thundering across my mind once again. This time it was nothing I could understand directly, but I got the meaning as before. It was a threat. I could see the images of the beast holding me, tearing my body apart muscle by muscle. Bones being cracked and removed in sections. All of it in an instant. 
I could have chosen to close my eyes. I really could have. And somehow it needed me, or someone at least. I knew it then. Yet I broke under the threats. I looked and found two other glowing pale lights in the distance, moving away from the farm. Not long after, the brute took off, running with a guttural bellow. Something like a demented bull of sorts. The lights. Well, they went out as soon as it caught up to them. There was a set of screams. They went out quick. I felt a rushing past me for a moment, and then there was pure black. Ah, uh, next thing I know, I'm waking up in the dirt. My body was caked with ash and dry blood. Somehow I managed to get up and walk. Don't know how long I was down again, but I knew it was at least daylight. I walked for a short while, or a long while. I really don't know. Eventually I was picked up close to town and brought back to Bossier. Not long after that, I was placed in Brentwood for closer observation, and I've been here ever since. Turns out that screaming night after night in your sleep makes the doctors nervous. The drugs they give me don't do a thing. I wish they would. I really do, but every night I still see them. That family, those kids. I can still feel that thing on my body. They won't let me kill myself. I know, I've tried. They want me to get better. Oh, talk it out. I'm telling you that nothing will ever cure this. Nothing will make it go away. I've tried to ask for answers. They don't really try. Or well, they lie to me. I don't know which. I was told the farmhouse was a victim of a possible arson attack. <laughs> arson. What a load of crap that is. Listen. Ah, yes, you never said why you wanted to hear this story. But I said I know that look in your eyes. You're chasing something dark, or maybe something dark is chasing you. <laughs> Either way, if you want to know more, really know more, try looking up more about that farm. There has to be something there. Something they won't investigate, or maybe can't investigate. Just remember, if you do go poking around, don't do it at night. If you do, the night is likely to do more than poke back at you. That one was pretty good, wasn't it, don't you think? I thought so. Oh my god, big one on Monday, another huge story for you on Wednesday night. When am I going to get a break? Good question, my dear friends, good question. Well, nothing comes to those who wait. So on Friday, there will be another big story for you here. And of course, I'm keeping the second channel going, aren't I? Stories on the second channel on Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturdays. God, I'm almost at this every night of the week at the moment. Can you keep up, my dear friends? <laughs> I'm sure you can. Well, that is enough for me for one evening, but I'll be back again soon enough. Until then, sweet dreams and bye-bye.
Thank you so much for choosing to spend your time listening to me. Now, if you enjoyed the Dr. Creepin experience, then come find me on Facebook. Come chat with me on Twitter. Listen to the background music and download it if you like on SoundCloud. Drop by the store, pick up a t-shirt. And, importantly, if you've got a story you'd like me to read, send it to Dr. Creepin's Vault, the subreddit I set up so that I could read your stories. Now, Looking forward to seeing you all again real soon. So, come check me out, okay? <laughs>